Hello, and welcome to Legalish on Dash Talk X. I am your host, Demetria L. Graves, a certified family law specialist in Pasadena, California, in Beverly Hills, California. And today, I have a special guest for part two of our Let's Talk Money series. Introduce yourself. Who are you and why are you here? Hi, I'm Lisa Ganuni, and I'm a certified specialist in bankruptcy law. Yay. And we've been talking money. And last week we talked about getting your finances in order before you get married, kind of what that looks like. And today we wanted to talk through, okay, what happens when you get in financial trouble in your married or one spouse gets in financial trouble? What are the, what's the impact for the other party? And then we had some questions from the last show in terms of finances So I wanted to first explain marriage is more, I wouldn't say more of a business. I think that's going too far, but it is a business arrangement or part of it should be discussed like a business arrangement. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the fact that you can file your taxes together, um, you know, that signifies that you are essentially, you know, financially intertwined. Right. I think a lot of times because of all of the movies and what we see in the media, we get wrapped up in the love aspect of marriage, which is important. Don't get me wrong. But what we're talking about today is setting you up so you have a great financial foundation for your marriage and not just being in love. Yes, because um, after the wedding and after all of the, you know, butterflies settle, then what's left is the day to day. Right. Paying rent. Right. Paying for your car insurance. Right. Paying for your health insurance. And spending habits. Yes. Right? So do you have spending habits that are in in line with each other? Mm-hmm. Or is one more spend thrifty than the other? And how do you balance that? And I think a lot of that should be discussed prior to marriage, don't you think? Yes, I completely agree. Um, that can cause problems if one party likes to go eat out a lot and the other one wants to always stay home and not, you know, not eat out a lot. And... One person likes to shop a lot and the other wasn't, one doesn't. Um, it can cause resentment. It can cause conflict. Right. Do you believe, this is just a side note before we get started, that there should be one account for bills and agreed, about, agreed upon expenses and then each party has their personal account so they can kind of do their own thing? Or what do you think? I think it just depends on the uh, particular circumstances. I think every relationship is going to be different, especially if there's like a prenuptial agreement and um, how those arrangements are made. Mm-hmm. I mean, generally, it's good to have a shared account so that you know what your shared expenses are. Right. Um, but for people who are tight on money, um, it, they tend to have just combined accounts mm-hmm. because they're so tight, mm-hmm. they can't separate things out. Our one objection I've seen is when one spouse is not working, then they're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, this isn't fair. Then I'm kind of limited to what's in our quote unquote joint account and you get to do whatever you want with, mm-hmm. with your money. So that can kind of cause some resentment as well. But I think whatever you decide, you should talk, talk about it before you're in it. Yes. Because I've, I've seen, at least from the divorce side of all of this, is that that's what causes the resentment is that the parties did not know the expectation from the other party in terms of what they wanted, and then the other side didn't know what they wanted. So right. there's yeah, you, you can't assume things going in. You wouldn't go into a business assuming, you know, that one person is going to be 
um, you know, working and the other party is going to be focusing on, you know, the raising the kids and then that, you know, you just can't assume what the other person is thinking. Right. So you, you have to, I think it's super important to discuss things before. And I think in our society, that's the big part of marriage we do not talk about Mm -hmm. is sitting down and getting really, really clear. And for, for our purposes today on the finances, on everything, on your parenting style, um, whatever you need or it's going to happen in, in your marriage, because I think once you talk about it, you can see some of the maybe red flags, yellow flags, whatever it may be, come up beforehand so you can kind of address it before you run off into the sunset. Yeah, I think some people don't want to see the red flags. They want to kind of ignore yeah. them. And so it's easier to ignore it if you don't address it. Right. I totally agree. So from our last show, um, <clears throat> someone asked, should finances for both parties be in order prior to marriage? Yes, I think. Oh, I'll let you go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was. I, I think they absolutely should. Um, and in order doesn't mean that you neither party should have. It doesn't mean that both parties should be debt free. It just means both parties kind of are apprised of the other party's circumstances, the other mm-hmm. party's obligations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does one party already have domestic support obligations to another party? So does the other spouse, the other partner know that that's money that's going to be going towards, you know, another obligation? Right. Um, or does the the other party have family that they're supporting? Do they have elderly parents that they're supporting? These are all like really important things for the other party to know going in um, so that both sides know what the expectations are. Right. And I guess when I read the question, I said, well, what does order mean? I mm-hmm. mean, does it mean I have to have 20000 in the bank and make 10000 a month? What does that mean? Or does it just mean, okay, the, as you as you mentioned, these are my obligations. This is what I'm mm-hmm. paying. I don't expect it from you. And the other party discloses as well. I think what normally happens is even if the discussion is made and say one spouse loses their job, then is the other party responsible for taking over those expenses? Well, I think those are things that would have to be discussed beforehand. Right. But um, I think that, uh, you know, at least if you if you know beforehand what your obligations are and then one spouse does lose their job, then that's just a discussion that you have to have at that time. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not in family law, but if your income goes down, then can you can you adjust your support payments? You can, and that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother day. <laughs> but for our purposes, I think what a lot of people don't understand is if you owe child support and you have joint accounts, mm-hmm. That other party can potentially be impacted if there's a garnishment or that sort of thing. Right. Yes. So that might be another reason to talk about separate accounts. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, or understanding that you can be impacted if yeah. you're on the same account. I mean, account. if you have those obligations and you are delinquent or, you know, you're not in compliance with the court order, then it would make sense to have separate accounts. Right. And to file your taxes separately and just keep things separate. Right. So I think what we're really trying to say is have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Don't put your head in the sand and hope that it's all going to work out. Talk about it. And I've I've encouraged some people to even go to premarital counseling for a more extended amount of time to Mm -hmm. really get those issues on the table, especially money, so everyone knows. And the last question before we get into the meat and the potatoes of today's topic is when should one disclose their credit report? Our credit score. 
on your first date. (laughs) (laughs) And bring your credit report with you. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, I think that is, again, kind of a... Depends on the circumstances. How close do you get? How quickly do you get Mm -hmm. close? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, it's, it's just when the financial conversation comes up, which I think is mm-hmm. when maybe you're, you know, depending on, on the relationship, definitely before you get married, right? you know, you should discuss your, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be like, this is my credit score. What's yours? It needs to be more like, what are, you know, do you, are we looking, are we going to be looking to buy a house? You know, mm-hmm. are you going to need a car? You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, because what does that even mean, right? Is is there a real difference? You can speak to this between seven ten and seven fifty. I mean, there's a difference, but as far as uh, qualifying for, you know, getting a better mortgage rate, mm-hmm. it could, yeah, it could definitely impact that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you're looking to buy a house, or if you're if you need a car, and one person doesn't have good credit, then it might be you know, the other person might have to get the car in their name. Right. So, um, what does that say to you personally if someone has a quote-unquote bad credit score, whatever you consider bad to be? What does that say to you personally? That says that either they have too much debt that they can't manage. Um, so you can have, um, you could be current and still have like, uh, you could be current and still be in financial distress. Um, you can be, you can have a high credit score and be in financial distress. Right. Because you're like, I'm just making the minimums. I'm barely surviving. Right. Um, but a low credit score means that you, it's gone to the point where you've, you've fallen behind on things and you have bad debt basically following you around. Mm-hmm. So you need to do something. Do you think it speaks to someone's character if they have bad credit? Because a lot of people say, even in my divorce cases, well, this person needs to have a whatever X credit score. Do you think it, it speaks to someone's character? No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. It, this is not a character issue. It's like a a credit is very counterintuitive, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily, like I know some people who only have one credit card mm-hmm. and they use it sparingly and they pay it off each month mm-hmm. with no balance. Right. And they don't have a good credit score. Right. Because they don't, they have not demonstrated credit. Right, right. They do everything in cash because they don't believe in credit. Well, right. that person's not going to have a good credit score. Right. Um, and I don't think it reflects character. I think it just reflects, you know, are you paying attention to this score? Mm-hmm. And are you cultivating it? Right. Or are you in distress because you're handling a bunch of other things? Right. And this just has taken the back seat. Right. Okay, well, that answers our questions from last time. So we are going to take a break and we will come right back. Stop thinking. 
Legalish on Dash Talk X. Today we are Talking Money Part 2. And then Aliza is here with us. She is a certified bankruptcy specialist. And we are talking money and divorce and marriage. 
which is normally one of the biggest reasons why people are getting a divorce. And so, Aliza, what happens when somebody, one of the spouses gets into some financial problems during the marriage and they want to file for divorce? Is the other spouse impacted by that filing? They want to file for bankruptcy or? (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm used to talking about divorce all day. Yes, bankruptcy. Um, Yeah, we file a lot of cases for people who are married and only one spouse will be filing a bankruptcy. It's very common. Mm -hmm. So you are not required. Both spouses are not required to file a bankruptcy jointly. Mm -hmm. So what is the, is there any impact on the other party while they're married if they don't file together? No, um, there's no impact on the other person's, the non-filing spouse's credit. Mm -hmm. Um, The only impact could arise if there are assets Um, community assets, community property assets that um, are not protected. So that's the only impact, really. Mm -hmm. So can you give us an an example? Example? Yeah. Okay, so let's say a married couple, um, they have a house and they have too much, you know, more equity in the house than they can protect in a bankruptcy. Um, But for whatever reason, one of the spouses goes ahead and goes ahead and uh, files a chapter seven, mm-hmm. that house um, becomes property of the estate. Right. So um, it can be liquidated. So, and that's regardless if, regardless if the other party files or not. Right. Ooh. Yeah. So what, what happens in that? Well, that's why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if the filing party wants to include a card that the non-filing party doesn't want to? Mm, well, <clears throat> let's say if they're both on the card, is that what you mean? Well, yeah. If we they're both on the card and mm-hmm. one files, then the other party is still obligated on the card. So it won't be canceled. Would it be canceled to the one party yes. who filed? Yes. Well, that doesn't make sense, it's right? It's just the way it is. It's just they're co-debtors. Right. So one person will have it cleared off their credit report. It'll still stay on the other ones. So it only makes sense to file in that situation if the filing party has a ton of other debt right. that the non-filing party is not on. Right. I'm, I'm trying to think of how, in a situation, how that makes sense. Okay, so let's say there's there's two people who are married. Yes. And um, one, one person has a business, and the business is not doing well. So, um, I mean, I'm thinking of a particular case. She mm-hmm. has a ton of debt. Mm-hmm. The other party has a, a good paying job mm-hmm. and um, he, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to file, even though he has his own debts. Right. Um, the one party who wants to file, mm-hmm. she can file mm-hmm. and clear up her credit and the other party just keeps his cards and keeps his credit. Hmm. So you can have one party file and one party just keep their credit. Yeah, I think the gray area, at least what we've seen, is when they're both on the cards. And they're if they're like, both on the cards, then then um, if they're both on all cards mm-hmm. and one party files and the cards are still on the other party's name, then yeah, it doesn't make sense to file bankruptcy because they're, that one person is still going to be liable unless they're separating and they're li- going to be living separate lives. Right. Wow. What I've seen during marriage as well is... One party will open cards during the marriage, mm-hmm. which makes it presumptively community right. property, right. and then they run them up. Uh-huh. Yes. And I've seen credit card companies in those circumstances still come after the spouse because they're married. Yeah, I've never, I, we haven't 
in our um, practice, we mm-hmm. don't see them go after the the non-filing spouse because they usually don't know that they exist. Right. I, I've seen that. So I was wondering what can the other spouse do if they don't open the cards, but it is presumptively community property. Well, but it happens all the time in our practice. The only way that they'd go after the other party is if they're on the cards okay. in our in our experience. Right. Um, I mean, it's rare uh, for a credit card company particularly mm-hmm. to go after the non-filing spouse who is not on the card. Right. They must have some information right. otherwise. When do you recommend that married parties file together and when is it okay if they file separate? I recommend married couples file together if the debt is under both of their names. Okay. Even if the other spouse doesn't want to? Well, they have to they have to want they have to be okay with filing. Right. So the the one who wants to file can't force the other one to file. Right. But I think it's better, you know, for both parties to just get the fresh start together, wipe right. away everything. Right. Um because that can definitely start some resentment as well if we're both on the cards, you kind of ran up the cards, and now mm-hmm. I have to file bankruptcy. Yes, yes. It can, I, I mean, it's, it's, it can be a problem. Yes. Yeah. But it's better to just deal with the issue and move forward and do things differently right. the next time around. Right. What else have you seen in your practice that problems that arise in terms of married couples? Um, a lot. I've seen... Um, you know, uh, one party who, let's say, has a business and the business, you know, goes mm. sideways and mm-hmm. then um, they get sued. Those are more more commonly cases where the creditor will come after the non-filing spouse mm. or the, the mm-hmm. spouse who'd never signed on because if it's like a business, then they know each other. Right. And, um, so it's more common that they'll go after the other spouse who's right. not even a signer on the debt. Right. Um, Medical debt is a, another cause. Um, so medical debt, have you seen that creditor go after the other spouse? With with medical, like hospital bills and such, Yes. sometimes it's under, you know, let's say if one spouse has their medical insurance through work, then even if it's for the other spouse, then they're signer. So then mm-hmm. that ends up being, right. yeah, they end up coming after both. Wow. For qualifications for a bankruptcy, is, so does... Do you use which income do you both, use? Both. Really? So even, even if, if the yeah. other one is not filing, we yeah. have to take into account their income. Really? And their assets become if if those if they acquired assets during marriage, um, those assets are presumptively community assets. Right. So even if they're not filing, we have to list all assets of both. Right. So that might be a reason why you might consider having separate accounts if you recognize that your spouse has. Even if you have matter? separate accounts, uh-huh. it's still required by the code that you list both incomes. Really? Unless you're separated. Can the bankruptcy court ever garnish accounts, an account? Mm, garnet, well, the, the bankruptcy court doesn't really garnish accounts. I mean, they can do an audit and they can say, okay, Mm -hmm. we want your spouse's bank statements and your spouse's income statements. Right. Mm -hmm. So why are both incomes used for the purposes if only one party is filing? Because it's community income, the income of the community. Right. So if they had um, a prenup, that would make a difference. See, we're talking about more and more reasons (laughs) to consider a prenup. So if there's a prenup that says my income is my income, your income is your income, then it's not considered. Right. Really? 
If if you're saying that your income is separate, right? Like it's not part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's excluded. It should be. I mean, we just don't see it come up very often mm-hmm. because um, it's it's rare. Right. Right. Have you seen a spouse go behind their spouse's back and file a bankruptcy? Oh, without the other spouse knowing? Yes. Mm, no, but I have heard of stories mm-hmm. where the one spouse uh, was severely ill, uh-huh. uh, like physically ill to the point that they were not mentally even, like didn't really know what was going on. Yes. And they ended up filing a case and it ended badly. Really? Because there was a, a property. <gasps> yeah, it was really sad and he ended up. Um, he, the, the person who filed, he, he ended up passing away mm-hmm. during the case and it just ended up being a whole big mess. Oh, wow. So that's why it's important for, you know, couples to talk about things because also the stress yes. can really um, weigh on someone. Right. Um, I had another couple, elderly, who the husband was taking, like he knew about all the financial you know, that they were in financial distress and the wife didn't. Mm-hmm. And he ended up having a heart attack. And mm-hmm. like, she had no idea what was going on. Right. Um, but that's another reason to discuss things. Like this right. is a, you know, household income, household debt. Right. I, I noticed that a lot of times there are a lot of men and women actually that call and don't have no clue. They have no clue right. what the bills are. Right. No clue what the income is. Not good. Not at all. And so it's like one party is managing the finances which I think is fine, but you should you should know. Yeah, you should know what's going on. Yeah, what's coming in, what's going out. Yeah, I have another couple who, um, you know, the husband ended up getting um, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and she didn't even know that the mortgage payments weren't being made. Oh, wow. I mean, you need to know what's going on. Right. You know, this is right. the roof over your head. Right. And so that's where financial literacy comes in. Oh, yes. And you bring up an interesting point because I've seen some couples use p- bankruptcy to save their home. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? And do you have to go forward with the bankruptcy if you use that as a method to save your home? So, yeah, bankruptcy can be used to save your home through um, a reorganization, mm-hmm. which is uh, under Chapter 13 or Chapter 11 okay. of the, um, the bankruptcy code. Um, and... What we've done, what we've been able to do is, in some cases, we file the case, we apply for a loan modification, and they get a loan modification, mm-hmm. and then they you can let the case get dismissed. Oh, okay. If that was the only issue. How can you postpone a bankruptcy, or it, you just have to go with the process? How can you postpone the, the foreclosure sale? Or Yes, because... Yeah, you can yeah. postpone the... Once you file the bankruptcy, there's an automatic stay in place, so that stops, automatically stops any foreclosure sales right but you said you also filed a loan modification yes. so do you have to pause the bankruptcy to do the loan modification no, no, or you how did does it at that the happen? same time okay so in the, in the case okay a lot of lawyers such as myself we will not do a loan modification outside of a bankruptcy okay because so many laws have changed that just make oh yes it, you know not uh it's just very appealing for lawyers yes. right right um so but in a bankruptcy mm-hmm. um there's also like a streamlined process through the courts um in California, at least, or in in uh, really, yes. so what does that look like? It's it's um it's monitored by the court, okay. so we do a loan modification application through mm-hmm. the court. So the mm-hmm. court is supervising everything. Right. The court cannot force the lender to modify the loan, but um, having it under court supervision does just streamline things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's proof of what documents were provided, so the lender can't say, "Oh, we never got this." Right. It's all there. 
How long does that take? Because I know loan modifications, at least when we had the crash or market uh-huh. crash, they were taking nine months to a year. So how long does it take? Now the- you'll get an answer more quickly. Mm-hmm. And it, it depends on the complexity of your situation. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting answers like within like two, three months. Really? Four months, four months. So if you do, I think you already said this, but if you do the loan modification and that, that was your biggest issue, do you have mm-hmm. to go forward with the bankruptcy? You don't have to if that was the main issue. So it's not, the loan modification is not contingent on you doing the bankruptcy? No. Very interesting. Yeah. Because I see that a lot, that couples really want to save their house mm-hmm. and they're filing, mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't necessarily want to go through the bankruptcy, right, but right. that's kind of like their last yes. last step to, to save their residence. Mm-hmm. And so in the loan modification, just for people that aren't aware, do you, because a lot of times they get rid of the second, right? Or they don't modify the second well, if you have a second on your house. So a, a number of years ago when the market, um, when real estate was lower, mm-hmm. you could, um, there were a lot of motions to get rid of second liens. Mm-hmm. In, with the real estate market the way it is now, it's more rare. So There's a the, lot more equity now. Mm-hmm. So getting rid of a second, it's it's just not as common. So will the loan modify the first and the second then? You would have to apply separately. So you have to you, you apply right. individually for each. Mm-hmm. That is good information to know. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about divorce and bankruptcy when people start playing games and it gets fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We will be right back. Just wanna see how beautiful you are 
know that I see it I know you're a star Where you go I'll follow No matter how far If life is a movie Then you're the best part Welcome back to Legalish on Dash Talk X. For those of you just joining us, I am Demetria Graves, a certified family law specialist in Pasadena. And I have my good friend and certified bankruptcy attorney, Aliza, in the house. And we are talking money, part two, family law style, (laughs) because they do closely relate, believe me. So I want to talk about divorce and bankruptcy, right? Because for starters, Things are changing financially. Things are changing for people and some from what they've known for years. And so what I've noticed is, and this is where, you know, the the most friction we see is right before one party decides they want to file for divorce, they file bankruptcy. And then, you know, then the other party gets mad like, wait a minute, now I'm, I'm stuck with the credit cards. Do you see that in your practice? I do. And um, the other party doesn't have to be stuck with the credit cards necessarily. Mm -hmm. We have filed for couples who are separated. Okay. So as long as you are married, you can file together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's it's a matter of perspective. And Mm -hmm. I think in family law... The perspective is also always that it's a zero-sum game. Right. The more one party gains, the more the other loses. Right. In bankruptcy, it's a little, the, the approach is a little more amicable mm-hmm. and less adversarial. Mm-hmm. So in bankruptcy, um, we like to, you know, kind of have people see like that they have a common interest. Right. If, if both parties who are separating file, they both get rid of that debt and they don't even have to deal with it in the divorce. Right. But as you know, in divorce, it's sometimes not about thinking logically. It's about that person hurt me. I'm going to stick it to them. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have done this to me. So whatever way they can find to hurt that person, Mm -hmm. they do. And I always try to, at least from my perspective and my firm's perspective, is divorce, just like marriage, is a business decision. Mm -hmm. So what is the best way that not only you can set yourself up, but the community, because you're still a community, set yourself up so you both can go out and kind of rebuild your life, especially if you have young children, our children in general. In general, How do you set yourself up the best way moving forward? And if you both, if you have $50,000 credit card debt between you two, but now you're going back to one household, one income household, that doesn't really make financial sense. Right. So what is something that you say to potentially divorcing couples, like, look, 
this is a new way of looking at this, not, you know, I'm sorry what they've done to you, but this is something we should look at for the benefit of the both of you. Yeah, so I recently had a case where um, a gentleman hired me to file, and I said to him, okay, does your um, spouse who you're, you know, divorcing, does she have debt? He said, yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, why don't you tell her that, you know, she can be included in the case. Mm-hmm. We'll just charge a little more, and she can get rid of her debt as well. Right. Um, so he approached her, and she, you know, rejected his offer, mm-hmm. interestingly. Um, like the day or two after we filed, she contacted me, mm-hmm. like, on the Internet, mm-hmm. doing an inquiry to, to see if she, <laughs> you know, to have a consultation. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you could have done this, you know, he wasn't. He was going to pay for her, right? And she refused. Right. So that's a that's a you know working against your interest right. situation where you you talked about the emotional aspect, but yeah, I mean that's why people should hire lawyers to because mm-hmm. the lawyers are emotionally removed from the situation. Well, they should be not yes. all the time in family. <laughs> <laughs> we should be removed from it. But yeah, the best the best. Situations are where um, couples can put put aside their differences right. to uh, per, you know proceed with a uh, something that will benefit both of them. Right. What happens when one party files during the divorce? So when the party files during the divorce, anytime someone files bankruptcy, there's an automatic stay in place. Right. What is an automatic stay? Automatic stay is something that basically means that it stops all proceedings, but there are always. Of course, it's the law. <laughs> <laughs> One of the exceptions in family law is it would not stop a support proceeding. Okay. But it does stop um, property division right. proceedings. Right. So if you wanted to proceed with property division proceedings, you would have to um, either the other party would have to file a motion for relief or both parties can agree through what's called a stipulation. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, we stipulate to relief to go forward. Right. I think a lot of people are always concerned of, oh, my God, can I get support when this other party has filed for divorce? And they, in fact, can do yes, that. Yes, and yeah. you can't get rid of your your um, domestic support obligations in a bankruptcy. What I've noticed in family court is sometimes judges are very hesitant to even touch the case because once a bankruptcy is, is filed. Yes, I, I have seen that as well, and that's just uh, because the court is... Um, they want to be cautious. Yes. And they're not bankruptcy right. lawyers. Right. Or they're not trained in bankruptcy. Right. So it's safer for them to just say, okay, let's put this on hold until we get a court order. Right. Until we see a court order. And I've seen where one party files the bankruptcy, they are discharged of the debt in bankruptcy court. But then the issue isn't family court is, okay, but you are still responsible. Exactly. And that's yeah. where there's a confusion. Because yes. um, even if... So let's say there's a, a divorce decree saying what you're responsible for. Yes. And then you file a bankruptcy, but that divorce decree is still, it, it holds water. Right. It's valid. So what happens in that case? Because, you know, a lot of times you say you get 5000 of the debt, I get 5000 mm-hmm. of the debt. Right. Then you go f- file bankruptcy, and those are joint cards. So what happens in the bankruptcy court? That's why you should file bankruptcy before in that situation. <laughs> right? Yes. People come to me after they... They um, get divorced, mm-hmm. and, and I say, okay, well, if you, if you, if there's something in the divorce decree that says you're responsible for paying her debt, you're responsible for paying that debt. So, so can you, you can discharge it right. on your credit report; it'll be removed, but you're you're still gonna somehow have to pay that. 
Yeah. Then that makes no sense. Well, that's why people have to, you know, right. talk to a, a bankruptcy lawyer, deal with that before. Right. So then how do you pay it? Because the, can the creditor accept payment from you after you have a discharge? Yeah. I mean, it would be payment on the other person's behalf. Right. If it's under their name. But what if I'm awarded 5000 Say we have joint debt. Okay. Say I get 5000 and you get 5000 Meaning you're responsible for 5000 Yes. And the other side is responsible for 5000 okay. But you go and discharge. Well, is it? does it specify which cards? Yes. Okay. Well, if it specifies which cards and those cards are only under the filers, the bankruptcy filer's name, mm -hmm. then it doesn't, they don't have to pay that. It's more like if they're responsible for paying the other side's. Like, right. let's say if there's a court order saying, okay, I'm going to pay, um, I'm going to be responsible for paying my spouse's car payment, mm -hmm. right? And then they file bankruptcy, that that paying that spouse's car payment mm -hmm. is probably considered kind of support, right. I'm assuming. Sometimes it's part of the support so order. So if yeah. it's part of the support order, then too bad. Yeah. You're stuck with that. I'm talking about if we have a credit card together uh -huh. and it's the balance is 10000 So uh -huh. then you get... 5,000, oh. I get 5,000. So if it's a joint card and I go and discharge, I can't discharge half. Yeah. So the can. messy part in the divorce happens when then, okay, then we're like, oh, well, you agree to five, I agree to five. Now you discharge it. Now they're coming after me for 10. Right, right. So and what what do they are going to be responsible for that? Really? Yeah, because it's ordered by the family law court. Right. So. That's why people have to, you know, look into things right. before, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, and, and look into things at the same time. Right. People want to do one thing at a time sometimes, yes. but with the law, it's so intertwined yeah. that you really have to, like, do it at the same time. Right. Or explore things at the same time. Right. Like, I have a client who recently, you know, was planning to get divorced. I said, let's file before. Yes. Because... Um, I want you to get rid of all this debt. I don't want you to make any agreements right. in the divorce decree that are going to affect your mm -hmm. your liabilities. And people do it all the time. They make agreements to take the debt, right? But then decide, oh, I'm just going to go file bankruptcy. Right. And we're like, but you're just yes. complicating this right. process. Yes. And I've said before, well, why don't we pause the divorce? You guys go think about mm -hmm. the bankruptcy, right. And then finish the divorce because otherwise, yeah. it just gets so messy. Yeah. And then people don't really understand, oh, wow, I can't just discharge my half. It's it's still there. Right. Yes. Another issue I've seen is people try to transfer to the other party property three, four months, you know, before filing bankruptcy. What does that look like from a bankruptcy perspective? Well, transfer to the other side and then file. Yes. Yeah. It's not going to really um, help anything. Mm -hmm. Um that especially if it's just a couple months before right is there um, like a deadline you can't transfer property three six nine months ahead well of time? what matters is not the transfer what matters is what you get in exchange for it okay the consideration okay so if you're transferring something and you're not getting anything in return equivalent mm -hmm. value right then it can be considered a fraudulent transfer mm -hmm. even if your intent was not to commit fraud what if it's something in kind like i'm gonna give you this property and you're not gonna move away to a different state Yeah, I mean, it has to be, you have to get something in return. See, because in family <coughs> court, that happens. Some people right, right. don't want the other side moving away mm -hmm. with young children. Right. So 
They might say, hey, I'm going to give you $50,000 more in my retirement because I don't want you moving with our kids. Yeah. Would that even be considered by the bankruptcy court? Because to me, that's for some people, that's an even exchange. You know, the kids stay, you're getting compensated. Yeah, I mean, it has to just be, it has to be some sort of equivalent value. So that's um, that's something that would be um, determined by a bankruptcy trustee. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they get some sort of equivalent value, so if there's like a, you know, cash out or um, the the child, the, you know, incentive or disincentive to move away mm-hmm. is not going to really be considered mm-hmm. equivalent value. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be actually like money exchanged. See, that's that's really good to know because a lot of family law agreements are based on nuances such as right. those. Yeah. So that's interesting to know that it's, they won't be considered. Well, what's important to, to assess is do these people have debts? Are they going to be needing some sort of um, debt resolution right. while we're, you know, after we do all of this property division? Right. And so really dealing with that before right. so that you can actually maybe avoid right. a bankruptcy. And how does a bankruptcy impact community property? It impacts community property because it basically brings it all in. to the. It, it's part of the estate. Right. And the other party can't do anything about it. Not not while they're married. Wow. Wow, that's hard. Whew. That's a lot to take in. I learned a lot today. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the most frequently asked bankruptcy questions. Be right back.
Welcome back to Legalish on Dash Talk X. Today we are talking money, family law style, part two. And I wanted to ask Aliza before she leaves us some of the most frequently asked bankruptcy questions for people because I know it's still a scary process. Some people have made it kind of cool. I know 50 Cent doesn't keep, seem to care and some other celebrities have used it as a way to kind of reorganize debt. But what are some of the most frequently asked questions, Aliza, that you get from potential clients? When will I be able to buy a house? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more important question than that is, um, you know, do you have a you have money for down payment for a house. Right. So what I what I try to remind my clients is, um, you know, hopefully your income will improve in the future mm-hmm. and you'll be in a better position to put a down payment, to pay a mortgage, and you can qualify, you know, for an FHA loan um, within two to three years from filing. Mm-hmm. So filing bankruptcy does not mean that you will never buy a house mm-hmm. or own a house. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means that, you know, that plan sh- will be on hold for a little while. Right. What about... Okay, and then another common question is when can I start rebuilding my credit? Okay. So rebuilding your credit um, starts after you get your discharge. The okay. discharge is basically the, the bankruptcy decreasing that you are free from your debts. Right. With some exceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that point, you, you know, a month after your, your case is discharged... It's a good idea to pull your credit report, make sure everything's being reported correctly, mm-hmm. and then start applying for credit cards. Right. Wow. Because I've, I've seen people get credit cards fairly shortly after yes. their bankruptcy. Yes. Yeah. Are the rates through the roof? Um, in the beginning, the rates are not the best, but um, slowly, you know, you rebuild your credit. Right. And then you'll get better rates. And what is something else you may encounter? Um, other questions people ask is, is my employer going to find out about the bankruptcy? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, your employer, in general, there's no reason for an employer to know about a bankruptcy unless um, the person who's filing is being garnished. Mm. If their wages are being garnished, then we have to inform the employer. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, there's a bankruptcy filed, so you need to stop the, mm-hmm. the earnings withholding order, mm-hmm. which is sending the money to the sheriff. Have you seen um, any of your clients get in trouble at work because their employer learned of a bankruptcy? No, actually I've had employers tell their cl- tell my clients, mm-hmm. their employees, mm-hmm. you need to file bankruptcy mm-hmm. to stop this garnishment. Really? Yes. Wow. Because it's uh, it's a um, added burden on the employer. Right. Not only do they have to do payroll, but then they have to do an extra step right. of setting aside this money and sending it to the sheriff. Yeah. And it's, you know... That's That's, no fun. That's more work for them. And they're getting probably calls from creditors at work. Right. So that's the thing. A lot of there's a lot of misconceptions about bankruptcy and what people think of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, um, you know, a lot of those misconceptions have been debunked. Right. Right. So what is your last words of what are your last words of advice for anyone going through a divorce and bankruptcy or considering bankruptcy and divorce, what what would you say to your potential client? I would say you you need to consult with experts in the field in which you are experiencing distress, whether that's family law um, or your financial situation. You need to consult with people mm-hmm. and know what your options are. And you don't want to 
take the ostrich approach. Mm. That's not the best approach, probably the worst. Right. You really want to deal with things and you really want to sort things out either before you get married, during marriage, or when if a marriage is, you know, um, going to be ending. Right, right. Wow, I've learned so much the last two shows that you've been with me. I want to thank you so much for coming and talking money with me. I've learned a lot. This was so much fun. Thank you. And how can people find you? Uh, So people can find me online. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Yelp, um, avo.com, which is a website for lawyers. Um, Or you can just go on my website at www.ganunilaw.com. You can also call me. Um, You can find my phone number online. (laughs) Thank you so much, Aliza, for being here. And thank you all for listening to Legalish on Dash Talk X. You, you love how I move you. You love how I touch you, my one. When all is said and done, you believe God is a woman. And I, I feel it after midnight. A feeling that you can't fight, my one. It lingers when we're done. You believe God is a woman.
Feeling is when we're done You're 